I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today's Tuesday, December 10, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. At the end of the day, the market really didn't get very far today. The SPX cash index was down a little over three points. So it's a big nothing burger, but there's stuff going on. Stuff happened early in the morning. I caught some shenanigans. We're going to talk about that. Let's quick do a recap of where we are relative to the daily chart of the SPY. We talked about filling the gap. They're finding once again resistance up at that 315 and change neighborhood. So yesterday we talked about them coming back down to fill the gap. So they didn't get to the gap today. They came up short, but yet they didn't really turn around and go in the other direction just yet. Now remember, we have Kabuki Theater on tap. So the Fed meets today, they conclude Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, Jerome Powell will give some kind of a speech slash press conference. They're going to come with an interest rate announcement. I don't think anybody's expecting any revelation. I think the Fed basically telegraphs most of what they're going to do. Could there be a surprise? There could always be a surprise. However, leading up to the Fed, the market typically goes into basically chop shop formation. Now, let's talk about awareness. We have to be aware of the things the market does when we're not looking. So sometimes, and it's just a sometimes, if applying the 80-20 rule, it's really on the 20% side, will I consider pre-market activity? But here's one of those times where I want you to have an awareness of what happened this morning. We're talking about the gap that exists right around 312. We talked about it yesterday. We're talking about the same number right around 312. Here's a snapshot of the S&P E-mini futures contract. Let me also remind you of something that we discussed yesterday, which is the contract roll. We'll say roll a little bit in air quotes. What it means is we start a new futures contract, the March 2020 contract. So some rolling will take place from the December contract into the March contract. Doesn't take place till later in the week, but we talked about the fact that shenanigans can occur, weird stuff can occur during that period of time. Well, hence, look what happened this morning. About 6.30 a.m., the futures are down all the way at 31.16 and a quarter. Right now, as I make this video, they're at 31.36.50. That's where they basically were the majority of the day. But they did take that little sneak attack down below, again, when nobody was looking. But let's take a different approach. Let's look at it from a different angle. We're talking about 312 in the SPY. Just so happens, and I'm sure it's just a coincidence, that today... The 20-period moving average, what we like to call home base, happens to be at what? About 312. What was it that happened this morning at 6.30 a.m. in the pre-market activity? They went down and filled the gap. The question is, will they do it again? And when I say that, I'm talking about on a short-term basis, not a longer-term basis. I'm talking about hours, days type of thing. 
We're just focused in what's happening in and around the Fed this week, the next couple of trading sessions. Here's a 15-minute chart without the pre-market activity. You could see during the trading session, they really came nowhere near the gap. I think, and here's one of those opinions, it's worth about the same price you get when you buy a roll of toilet paper with some writing on it. But my opinion is, they're going to go get the gap during the regular trading session. Now, they may do it in and around the Fed announcement. They may leave it alone and trade higher for a while. And if they do, for example, let's say they once again following the Fed for argument's sake. There's always two sides to the Fed announcement. There's the bear case. There's the bull case. The market whips around. It goes in both directions. Let's just say they leave the gap alone. They start trading higher, even finish the day higher. At some point, they're going to still come back down and get the gap. What am I saying? Any more upside in the short term is likely short-lived, meaning until and unless they comfortably close above the old highs and continue to do so at least a couple of times, I'm not buying the story, they're going to new highs and going to keep going. What's one of the reasons I feel that way? It goes back to the reason where I came up with 315.04. I think that's more important than meets the eye. In fact, I don't think that's garden variety at all. I think it's a big deal. So you know what I say? Let him prove me wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong small and fast. Back to the daily chart. So really... Under normal garden variety market conditions, we're probably in a chop shop formation until after the Fed announcement Wednesday afternoon. Who knows? Maybe it gets wild in the morning. It's really too early to tell. You have to wait until the morning to find out. I'm just telling you, using the 80-20 rule, what happens under normal garden variety market conditions. Now, what was the other set of shenanigans I saw this morning? About natural gas. Yesterday, we are talking about natural gas. All of a sudden, we're talking about natural gas every day. Well, here's the shenanigans I saw early in the morning. Just happened to be watching it. Early in the morning, I see the NG, which is the futures contract, begin to trade higher. Right in this zone here through 8 o'clock, 8.15, up until about 9 o'clock in the morning, and then it fell back down. So you would think at the same time, the price of UNG, which is the exchange-traded product that's supposed to track natural gas, you would think that during the same time period, it would move up commensurate with the fact that natural gas was actually, from a short-term perspective, on a little bit of a tear. Did it move up? Well, here's the pre-market chart of UNG, and you can see it did move up. It's in this zone right here into about... 8.45, 9 o'clock in the morning, and then you could see the 9 o'clock drop. However, I was doing the math, and at the same time that the actual futures contract was moving up, UNG really wasn't moving up commensurate with what it should have been or what it would have been had the market been opened and we had market participation. So I'm not really saying anything. It's just basically a little bit of a filler. I saw a little bit of shenanigans in the morning. I was watching it in real time. May not look like it on the chart, but I can tell you it really wasn't moving along with the chart of the actual futures contract at the time. All right, enough of that gas nonsense. Let's get back to some other stuff. So now we're looking at a 120-minute chart of the SPY. Let's talk about two things. Let's talk about the bull case. 
Let's talk about the bear case. Let's talk about Kabuki Theater, meaning in and around the Fed announcement. Let's talk about where the market can really go on the extremes. And I don't mean extremes like the S&P's down 200 points. I'm talking about intraday extremes within reason, garden variety, using the 80-20 rule, 80% of the time what we would determine as an intraday extreme. And an extreme doesn't have to be limited to points. It's based on where we are in the chart and what's relevant and nearby on the chart. So first, let's take a look at the actual chart and let's say, and let's understand that two things are going on. A, we got below the low, the opening range low that we talked about. That was the opening range Monday's low. So we got below that, but didn't fill the gap. So generally, if we stay below that, they're going to go fill the gap. If they get back above it, then the gap has to wait until later. But we also have to recognize that there's also a bull flaggish, bull wedgish pattern going on here. So that can also take off to the upside under what conditions? Kabuki theater. The market can take anything the Fed says or any interpretation that the media has of what the Fed said and it can goose itself one way or the other. So it's inconclusive. We're coming down to fill the gap. They haven't filled the gap. They filled the gap in the pre-market. Is that good enough? No, it's not good enough. Maybe it is good enough. We don't know. It's too much finger pointing in the other direction. It's HR's fault. No, it's IT's fault. No, it's the vendor's fault. No, it's the manufacturer's fault. No, it's the guy who just left two weeks ago. He's easy. We'll blame it on him. Everybody's always pointing fingers. There's too much finger pointing going on with the SPY right now. We need more clarity. We can see it in both directions. They're in no man's land. They're in purgatory. And we have Kabuki Theater on deck. What are we supposed to do with that? We have to wait. But if they take off to the upside, they can make a new high. It's this trader's opinion. They won't make a new high by very much. Now... What about the south side? What happens if they open the trap door? Will the gap still hold even though they already ran a test? That's the trick. The trick is we don't know. They've already come close enough to where we have a question mark. I have a question mark. I'm not 100% sure I'm going to jump all over that gap with three hands. You have to see it in real time. If they do it right around the Fed announcement, that's really just gambling at its finest just trying to pick off a number while the market's doing its EKG thing we're talking about extracting kabuki theater stuff from the equation and saying under normal garden variety market conditions the 312 type of number that gap down there has somewhat been diminished meaning the type of trade that would normally happen if they came straight into it isn't the same trade any longer. Well, what happens if they bust on through? Where would they be headed? There's really two obvious areas right below. Now, maybe they do or don't get to the next areas, meaning the safety net areas, but here's what I would be looking at for the next, let's just say, major area of bona fide support. The first one would be right around this 311 area just beneath that right where this 100 period moving average is it's a semi-fat round number it's not really fat it's just a little bit overweight but then just below that you do have 
a big fat round number just above another gap. So somewhere in this neighborhood sooner than later. Remember, this picture, this conversation may not apply two weeks from now. But this week, that's an area where this trader would likely be buying if it was reached sooner than later, kind of on a straight shot type of situation. I would be buying it with three hands. Remember, I'm in the risk business. It's an area looking at it ahead of time, pre-planning. Looks like an area I would be willing to put on risk. Again, have to see it in real time. It's something that inside the numbers members would get notified of in real time. Speaking of inside the numbers, how did things go today? Well, let's go find out. I think it's important for those traders that do trade or are active intraday, see what's going on. We have a pretty good handle on things over here. So I'm going to scroll around. You can stop and start at your leisure. We're also going to take a look at stocks on the move. Here's a flash of stocks on the move. Take notice of two specific positions, C-O-N-N and C-H-W-Y. We're going to look at a chart of those two stocks which did trigger their entry prices. You'll want to see this one. Back to the notes, even had a couple come out pre-market, even after the pre-market notes. I didn't want them to get buried in there, closer to the opening bell, plus one after the futures popped on some China trade news. That always happens. So automatically, early on, we're setting the table. We're talking about the numbers first thing before most people are even at their desk. So as we scroll around, you see what's going on as the morning goes on. Things get quiet. As they get quiet, the updates, the commentary becomes less and less necessary as long as we have the table set. We knew the upside. We knew the downside. We knew the important numbers. We knew where the market had to get to to get bullish where the buyers would step in, where the short covering would step in. And we also have to have the right mindset throughout the day. We have to be looking at, aware of, and thinking about all the right things. Inside the numbers is a tour guide. It's one leg of the three-legged stool. Remember this one from Stocks on the Move? Chewy. Now, the stock really wasn't getting that big of a haircut at the open. However... It came up on my scanner, and guess what? I found the spot. If I find the spot, or at least what I believe to be the spot, it goes on the board. It was on the board early, and it paid off early. Check out what happened. So here it is, 940 candle. The low is 2307. The rest is history. It takes off like a bat out of hell, all the way up to a high of what? 2607 Three bucks on a $23 buy, same day. Hey, you doing? Here's an hourly chart just so you get the visual from a different perspective. We do this over and over and over again, and you don't have any question whether we do because we show it over and over and over again. And I got to tell you, the reason I sound perplexed sometimes, who are the traders who are active intraday and not at least giving this a crack. How many times a month, how many times a week do you have to see that we pick off the low of day over and over and over again? It's not going to happen every time, and we get a pie in the face sometimes, but you know the deal. 
This is my own log. This is every trade from Stocks on the Move since, I believe, yeah, March 27th, right up at top. It's not moving. You can see everything. 78.41%. This is predicated on what? It's predicated on whether or not the trade worked or was stopped out. Again, it's the 80-20 rule, just like everything else in our lives. Keep the bull moving around the horn. Camp IWM. What's this chart telling us? Do we get any new information today? No new information. It's really telling us the same thing it was telling us yesterday. And it looks very similar to what we just discussed in the SPY. We can simply just move it along. While the IWM is my number one favorite market leading indicator, the transports is number two, but it's number one what? Canary in the coal mine. Again, it's a canary in the coal mine. This chart looks different. Until and unless it changes, it's a canary in the coal mine. Doesn't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. Might not tell you anything about Thursday or Friday. But a canary in the coal mine, it generally is. And it's generally telling you something else is brewing. We'll find out when we find out. That's the way you read this. And if you can find out earlier through other means that we try to do, that's fine. But this chart right here is telling us something else is brewing. How about the financials? The XLF. Stuck in the mud. There's nothing going on. Again, we're in a holding pattern waiting for the Fed. I wish I had more to talk about on these individual charts, but nothing really happened today while we're in that chop shop formation waiting on the Fed. Good old Smash Mouth actually was up almost one half of 1% today, but you can't make anything out of it again. We're waiting on the Fed. However, check this out. All they're really doing right now up here is consolidating up above the 20-period moving average at and near these highs. There's technically nothing wrong with this chart. So if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's generally a duck until proven otherwise. So you have to take it at face value. The semiconductors, the SMH is saying, there's nothing to see here, move it along. I know there's a lot of traders out there that like when I discuss Apple. Let's discuss Apple. It's in an uptrend. Look at these moving averages moving higher. They're all moving higher. Maybe the 20 is starting to flatten out a little bit, but that could change in a jiffy with another rally for a few days. It's strong. There's technically nothing wrong with this chart. I know there's a lot of traders out there that have tried over the weeks and months to short Apple. Obviously, it's unsuccessful. There will be a top. It will be a fantastic short at some point in time. What number? I have a number. I don't want to give out the number. Why? A, I don't even know if it'll get to the number, and anybody short isn't going to want to hear the number. Longs will. If you own Apple, you'll want to hear the number. But here's the deal with a stock like Apple. I'm going to give you my two cents. Maybe it's two and a half cents at best. You have a company slash stock that's one of the most recognizable and valuable in the world. It's owned by everybody. Mutual funds, pension funds, hedge funds, you, me, everybody across the board. Everybody owns Apple in some way, shape, or form. Everybody has a vested interest in Apple not falling apart. So the community that wants Apple to go down is a very small community. One day, Apple's going to hit a number, and it's going to reverse, and it's going to get ugly. It's not right now. 
Maybe it starts on Thursday. I don't know. But technically, it's not right now. If Apple puts in a sign and signal of a reversal or trend change, those are taught in the course, lazy e-mini trader, little plug. Why not? If you haven't taken the course, you should. Ask anybody. But here's the deal. Until and unless Apple tells us that it's going in the other direction, it's not. It's very hard to bet against the strongest, widest held, most recognizable name in the world. If not the, it's among the top four or five. You actually have to look pretty hard to find somebody that hasn't owned an Apple product, at least if not for themselves, someone in their household at one point or another. That's a pretty strong statement when you think about it. I don't use any Apple products, and I've had two iPads. We've had five or six Apple iPhones, at minimum, two MacBooks, and other than the iPad, I've never used any of it. But everybody else in my house loves the stuff. I don't want to bet against that. Again, that's just my two and a half cents. There's other fish to fry. There's better fish to fry. I don't want to pick on the 800-pound gorilla. And with that, folks, it's a pretty good place to pull the ripcord for today. You know what's next? You're next. I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.